Well, good morning, everybody. You can uh, find your seats if you still have them. Sometimes when you get up and go greet, you might have your seat like taken. Sorry, it's just life. It wasn't personal. They just didn't know there was that you were in it. So it happens sometimes. Um, it's like when I was a kid, I'd like to always go into my church growing up and sit in the seats of like people that normally sat there, like my dad. I'd always sit right where, if I got there before him or I just, I would sit in their seat. Of course I'd move back, but I'd always just sit there and smile like, ha I'm in your seat. And then they'd be like, you're in my seat. And I'd be like, I know. And then I'd move. I was nice, but just to mess with them. Um, we do have a special Sunday. We've been through the, this summer, we've been going through the book of Deuteronomy. And uh, the book of Deuteronomy, um, we've, we've covered. We've got one more Sunday. We'll finish next week with the kind of last words of Moses and then his death uh, and then what awaits in the future. And really, uh, Mission Sunday is, is helpful because what was happening was Moses was preparing his people for a mission. And the mission was to, to go into the world, to go into the promised land and to make God known to these foreign nations, to, to establish themselves as a people that did things differently. That's why the law was given, to show that we believe different things about the world and different things about who God is than you all do. And not in a judgmental we're gonna way, but just in a truthful way. Like, this is who God is. This is what he says to do. Well, that's why we send people out to do missions. To this day, we're just doing what they did thousands of years ago. Our job is to be God's people and to go out as people who know him and tell others about him and to allow him to change our lives and step out in faith in such a way that, that we do that. Um, and so this morning, we're going to hear from how people did that all summer. Um, we recognize that we're all called to be missionaries, all of us. If, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've committed your life to Christ, which you may not have done yet, that's fine. We hope that you do that. You would consider the claims of Jesus and the claims of Scripture. But if you haven't, or if you have done that, then God says that you're called to be on mission. You, you don't like get an option. Like you don't get to say, well, I don't want to go cross the Jordan and do, okay, well then you're, that's not going to go well for you. Like, like we're called to go out to our families, to our workplaces, to, to our community and make Christ known. And if God asks us to do something in a larger way, then we should do that or step out in faith to do that. But, but not look for that as the ultimate, look, I'm a missionary because I went and did something big for God. The biggest thing you'll ever do in your lifetime is to simply be faithful. Where you're at to the call of God on your life. There's nothing bigger than that. There's nothing greater than that. And if God happens to ask you to do something greater, then you do it humbly. And so missions isn't an option. And we also recognize that there are some of you who may have done missions this summer, like I know of people that went on other trips, they did things. So, so this isn't a coverage of everything that all of our people did. I mean, I don't even know your stories of what you did in your own neighborhood this summer. But the reason that we're highlighting these stories are because these are the partnerships that we give our finances to or that you as a church gave your finances to. And so it's due diligence to report back to you what happened because you gave your finances to send these teams out and these are the missions monies that we give to support missions around the world. Um, we, some of you know this, some of you are new don't, but we give 15% of every dollar that goes into our offering box goes outside of our church to partnerships. 15% of the first dollar, as soon as it comes in the offering plate, 15% is committed. We don't get, that goes to partners to do missions around the globe. 
That doesn't mean that we give that missions money to you all. That's a separate offering where we take a missions offering to send our own people out. So last year, we talked about this, somewhere around 17.5% of every dollar that came in went outside of ourselves to missions or sent you on mission. And that's, that's what we're about as a church. And so that's what we're going to highlight this morning is we just want to kind of tell you what, what did God do? Because it's easy to kind of hear rumors or stories or look on social media. It's another thing to have someone come and tell you what God had done in their life. So I want to, um, the first person that's going to go, not because she's privileged, but because, you know, first is always hardest. Like, here you go, we're throwing you in, um, is my daughter Malia. You guys supported her, the church supported her to go to Africa this summer. Um, she also got malaria while she was there, which was a great experience. You know, that's why you go is, you know, everybody always wants to know, are my kids going to be safe? Look, the gospel's not safe. So if, if you're doing missions or you're going out to make Jesus known and you think you're going to be safe, you're, you're sorely mistaken. All the people who went out in the book of Acts and in the New Testament, most of them were martyred. They died telling people about Jesus. Even though they didn't do it meanly, even though they didn't do it with a sword or a gun, they just went out and lovingly tried to tell people about Jesus and people killed them. So it's not safe to be on mission, but it's exactly what God calls us to do to reach a lost and dying world for eternity and a home that he has in heaven. And so Malia's going to come up and share. She went on mission uh, with, her, uh, with Campus Crusade for Christ, her crew. Uh, also, the group that's going to share that went to East Asia also went on mission with crew. That's a college ministry on campuses. My wife and I served on staff before I became a pastor uh, with crew. It's a parachurch organization. They come alongside to work with churches and in line with churches to spread the gospel, especially on college campuses around the globe. They also do things like the Jesus Film Project, I don't know if you've heard of the Jesus film, but it's the most watched film in the history of the world. It's been translated into more languages than any film on the, on the face of the planet. Uh, we're going to do a special showing of the Jesus film this fall. Uh, it is the entire book of Luke with no added minutes. It's literally a um, film from the book of Luke. Every word that the actors speak comes out of the book of Luke. It's a very powerful film. And so we're going to show that just for fun. Uh, this fall at some point, so you can see what literally billions, maybe a billion people have seen around the globe. Let me pray for us, and then I'll sit down. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to make you known. Thank you that you modeled that. Jesus, thank you that you left heaven, you left the promised land, you left your land, your home, perfection, to come and reach us, to reach out to us, to love us, knowing that we would kill you knowing that we would put you on a cross because we couldn't stand a message that said there's a God that isn't us. And there's a God that, that loves us, but he has requirements and he has expectations to how we respond to loving others in light of your love. And so we thank you for the gift of your son, and we thank you that we get to give as a gift the sons and daughters that are here in our congregation to go out to be a gift to the world to make you known. And thank you for those of us who get to live here in Bloomington and give ourselves as your sons and daughters to reach the people around us for your name. We thank you. We pray that this morning would glorify and honor you and that we'd celebrate what you've done. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hello. If you know anything about me, you know I'm a lot like my dad, and I could go on talking for about an hour or two. Um, so I have handy-dandy notes I'm going to be reading off of or trying to go along with. Um, but I'm going to start out with um, some scripture 
um, that was um, important to our trip. Um, the first being um, oh, Matthew. <laughs> uh, Matthew twenty two thirty seven through thirty nine that says, and he said to them. And Second Timothy two two, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Um, so the focus of our mission was first um, to love God and to love people, um, like in Matthew twenty two, and um, we believe that the greatest act of love is sharing the good news or the gospel with the people. Um, but more specifically, we are tasked with reaching, thank you, key volunteers or local students on a campus, a college campus, um, who are also passionate, um, who are faithful men about sharing um, the gospel and making generations of disciples, um, so teaching others. Um, so two particular stories uh, stand out to me um, when I think about our time sharing um, and making disciples. And I actually have like three pictures of me sharing for the whole trip, but this one happens to be um, a really important one. This was actually the only and the first conversation I had completely in French with an Ivorian student sharing the gospel. Um, so it was really powerful because um, the Holy Spirit was literally just speaking through me because um, obviously I don't speak fluently in French. Um, and while I was there, or when I met him, he was already a Christian, um, but he had never been taught how to share his faith before. Um, and so I got to walk him over the course of a few weeks um, how to share his faith with others. Um, and eventually, I just watched him grow in his relationship with the Lord, um, and he started sharing with people, and he was really excited. And I didn't have to call him to make appointments. He actually started calling me um, to want to meet, to learn more, um, and do follow-ups. So it was really cool to see how the Holy Spirit worked through our relationship from the initial conversation to our sort of final farewell. Um, and then a second um, sort of thing that stood out to me, this was actually one of the most important um, people on this trip for me, um, was a student named Timote. And as we were sharing, I got the opportunity to share alongside him. He was a translator um, for me, and he's also a student on the campus there, studying to be an English professor. And um, he was serving with crew, so the keyword is that he was serving. He wasn't working. He wasn't getting paid to do it. Um, but the first time I met him, I was like, wow, Timote, he's an awesome international crew staff member. Like, wow. And then I found out later that he's just a volunteer. He's just um, serving. And it was crazy because he's studying and he's at school and he showed up to serve with us and share and translate for us every single day that we shared on campus. I think maybe with the exception of one. So um, he intentionally, it was really cool, he intentionally shares his faith daily, meets with people one-on-one. -on -one. Um, he is a true disciple of Christ. It was really awesome um, just watching his servanthood on the trip and seeing how well he coaches others um, and really just seeing that Matthew 22 and uh, 2 Timothy um, verses in his life. But each day, um, he answered a lot of spiritual questions for me. He um, kind of led me. Um, he asked really like awesome personal questions about my life. He was really intentional. Um, and he's super grateful. And he, he eats his first meal every day at 3 p.m. And it's a small snack. And then he eats a meal at 8 p.m. And I would always be like, oh, Timote, like, here, have some of my food. Like, you can have. He'd serve us all plates and do stuff for us. And 
I'd say, how do you do that? What, like, I, I gotta eat when I wake up, like have four snacks throughout the day, have a meal, like, and he's like, well, I don't need much. My mind is on the Lord. And that to me just really stuck out. I was like, I uh, was just really set back. And I was like, man, like, where's my mind at? Cause um, I get, I got pretty hangry sometimes on the trip. Um, so yeah, his, his behaviors and actions just really um, displayed to me um, the, the spirit-filled life um, on the trip. And we've continued our relationship since the trip. We FaceTime once a week. Um, it's awesome. He's awesome. And uh, we get to just hear about what God's doing there and what God's doing here. Um, but seeing that my team raised all the support to be able to go on our trip, um, and then just seeing Timote, who couldn't even raise enough support to be on staff where he's at to stay, um, really challenged me. Um, because the Ivorians all wish that they could go, like we do, to other places and share their faith. Um, but they can't even raise enough funds to be able to stay where they're at a lot of the time. Um, so instead, they just sacrifice um, all their time and money with the people where they're at. Um, and so I realized how poorly I am at disciple-making here and being super intentional about making disciples. I share my faith at Ball State, but I don't actually have intentional disciples. And so I have to choose to be that sacrificial um, and faithful servant that's talked about in 2 Timothy. Um, and I really had to question myself, what is it that I'm actually sacrificing for the gospel? And uh, this year at school, I've kind of made it a goal that I want to sacrifice my time playing basketball and eating uh, with my friends to uh, be intentional about disciple making and actually um, discipling and pouring into the lives of two or three girls um, really pouring into their lives. And I'd like to think, have you think about this idea of intentionality too um, and what this disciple making looks like. Um, so I have a little like tidbit that somebody shared with me. It's really cool. You might've heard it before, but it's multiplying versus addition. So if the 15 members on my team all got a fire for evangelism and share with everyone for 30 years and on average one person each day came to faith, we would end up with 10,950 people. If one person decides that they're going to pour their life into one other person and teach them how to walk uh, by faith, communicate their faith, and multiply it, at the end of the year, there's two people. And at the end of the year, there's 1,073,742,000 people. So ironically, the first number is about numbers, and the second number is about people. And over a billion people are faithfully walking with the Lord, rather than just 10,950 people indicating to receive Christ. So that just really makes you think about how well are you actually faithfully making disciples. Um, so with that being said, uh, that's something that that's kind of what I've taken away from this trip. Um, but really, I just want to say thank you to all of you guys, um, because I'm really grateful for each person um, in this church who prayerfully and um, financially supported me to be able to go on this mission. Um, yeah, a huge thanks. And Thank you most, most of all for strengthening my love for Christ and people um, as I went out on this trip. All right. And we are the team that, that went to Ecuador. I'm happy that I got to go with a group where we can say we went to Ecuador. Um, but to get a good idea of what the culture looks like and, and how effective sharing the gospel is, you'd really have to understand this story kind of goes back to the 1500s. Um, a famous conqueror from Spain, his name was Hernan Cortez, um, took over uh, Mexico on a spiritual conquest and brought Catholicism 
to all of Central America. And he never made it as far south as Ecuador. As far south as he made it was Honduras. But his message ended up eventually making its way all the way down to Ecuador. And what people realized with the Ecuadorian people and really the South American people as a whole when they got there is they had very established pagan religions. And it was very difficult to help them understand the kind of monotheistic view that Catholicism has of there being one God because they believed in many gods. And so what the, the Catholic Church in the 1500s decided to do Instead of just proclaiming God, we will proclaim that the Bible is God's word, that everything in the Bible is true, and also that your pagan religions are also God. So they will tell you, believe in the Bible, but they won't show you parts in the Bible that mixes with their culture. For example, the town we stayed in is a village called Petate, and inside of their Catholic church, if you go there, they have a giant shrine for the Lord of the Earthquake. And they worship it as a deity just as real as they would worship Jesus Christ. And they have a big festival every year where they get the Lord of the Earthquake out. They take it on a parade. Everyone worships it in the street. And they move it to all of the different Catholic churches in the area near it. So that, it's a very big difference from what you view Catholicism here in the U.S. It's very different in South America. But what makes that so effective for us is these people have been told that God's word is true. They believe that God's word is true. They believe that there is a Jesus. They just don't know anything other than those core beliefs because they're also worshiping in our area, the Lord of the earthquake. Um, so if you kind of fast forward to 2013, um, it goes to a state missionary we had here at Highland Lakes named David Wilson. Um, David Wilson went there in 2013 to help a missionary friend and saw just how effective it is to not just say what the Bible says, but show them for the first time, this is what the Bible says about this, this is what the Bible says about that, and most importantly, this is what the Bible says about salvation and how God feels about the worshiping of other gods and how you can get to heaven through Christ. And he, just like us, was a mission team that went on one trip, and for Dave Wilson, it, it turned into four trips in two years. So he literally is like, I got to keep going back, keep going back. And on the fourth trip, he told everyone that was with him, he's going to quit his job here at Highland Lakes, gave them a, a six-month notice. So uh, for my people that work at Longhorn, a six-month notice would be a good idea. Uh, <laughs> um, and decided he was going to move to Ecuador. And that, that's what he did. He worked out six months at his job, moved to Ecuador. And one thing with him being a logistics guy on his job in the States, he is very good at coordinating teams that come and share the gospel. So what it looked like for us, um, we've kind of been going as a state convention for about five years now. The first several years, it was very much about the conversion from what they believed to Christianity. It was a lot of sharing the gospel to people for the very first time that had never heard the actual picture of the gospel. The fact that we are going to die and be judged, we are sinners who fall short of the glory of God, and that Christ died to pay that price for us. Many people heard it for the first time. The first years we were going, I mean, I, groups about this size and 50 to 60 people would come to Christ in a one-week period. 
Um, what I thought was really cool about this year is we've been in those, those small towns now for five years um, as mission teams. And so a lot of people have now heard the gospel, have accepted Christ, and are now in varying walks with God. So what this year really looked like is the pastor that was there, his name is Freddie, who's a phenomenal pastor, he now has a good church size and also people in the community that he has reached in the past with all kinds of questions. And for the week, you know, my first time I preached a sermon in the U.S., I, I told myself I preached for 30 minutes and I had 30 hours of preparation. So for every minute I spoke in the U.S., I prepared one hour for that speech. And when we went to these you know, these appointments, they would tell you five minutes beforehand, hey, you're going to talk to this guy for two or three hours. Here's what he needs to hear. Here's what we talked to him about last time. And so you go from 30 hours of preparation for one sermon to 30 seconds of, I better figure out what I'm going to talk about. Um, so that was my challenge. And, and my verse that really stuck out to me for this trip is 2 Timothy 3.16. Um, if you guys want to open up to the slide to it, it says, All scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. So people believe the first line of this sentence in Ecuador, that all scripture is inspired by God. Nobody debates that. Nobody argues that. So if you believe the first part is true, you have to also believe the second part, that the purpose of the Bible is to teach you to rebuke you when you're wrong, and to teach you how to be more righteous. And so every conversation I had, and I'm a guy with a lot of personal opinions, I gave none on this trip. Every opinion that I gave was directly from the Word of God, and I feel like a hundred times on that trip I said, did I say that, or does the Bible say that? And they would always respond with, eh, the Bible says it, you literally showed me. And that was my personal challenge as well, is... You know, in the U.S., we, we do a good job of memorizing scripture, but when you're in Ecuador and you don't have an internet connection and you may know that the Bible says, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But if you don't know that's John 14, 6, and you've got a 1,300-page Bible, the odds of you finding that verse and a 1,300-page Bible is pretty slim. So my personal challenge, my challenge to you is don't just memorize scripture. Literally commit it to memory because there's going to come times where you need to use that scripture. Um, it's not a verse that I have up, but Psalms 119.11, it says that I'll hide my word and it's in my heart that I might not sin against God. And that's a verse that's really true of us. we got to hide God's word in our heart because if you don't know it, you know, you're never going to be able to share it to someone else. Um, one picture that I have, which was probably my favorite part of the trip, is I got to lead youth two times while I was in Ecuador. Um, I'm a youth pastor here, so that's kind of my, my niche, what I, I, you know, 15-year-olds find me funny, 30-year-olds don't typically do that, so <laughs> I enjoy, you know, talking to kids and teaching kids, and I got multiple opportunities to do that. It was cool because, you know, a big part of my youth group was there, and their youth group was there as well, so the times that I got to do that, I really enjoyed it. Um, so that's kind of a, a little bit of my portion of the trip, but I'm going to turn it over to Coda. Okay, so I'm Coda, if you guys don't know me. I'm uh, Jason's son. And to start off, I just want to talk about my favorite part, which was being able to make friends with people. And you couldn't really understand them. And, you know, they spoke Spanish and just a little English. And I, could, I spoke English and just a little Spanish. Uh, but you got to make 
close friends with all these people that you only were with for a week and you got to play games with them and like sit with them on the bus and play youth group games. So that was super fun. Um, and then uh, I want to back it up a little to uh, one week before Ecuador. Um, I was at Youth Fusion Camp and I took a class called Lifestyle Evangelism with a guy named Jason Trusty. And he gave me a lot of encouragement and showed me how to share the gospel. And uh, he told us that he got to lead the bus driver Juan Pablo to Christ. And so that was super cool um, that he already had that connection. And then um, while I was there, uh, on the last day, um, the same bus driver said that he wanted someone to talk to his son about Christ. Um, and so me and Nick, uh, Bilotta, Luke's brother, got to talk with him. And we helped lead him to Christ. And one of the verses we used um, was Romans 10, 9 and 10, um, which says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. Um, so this verse like really stuck out to him. And after we read this to him, he decided he wanted to make the decision to um, come to know Christ. So Nick, Nick got to lead him in that prayer. And so that was super cool that through my connection with Jason, um, I got to lead the bus driver's son to Christ. Um, and then there's a picture of him with me and Nick, he's right there in the middle. And that was on the last night, about like five minutes um, before we, he left to go back to Peleo. And then one last thing was a challenge for me. And the biggest challenge for me was the food uh, because it's a little bit different than here. And like lunch and dinner was usually like chicken and rice, which I could live with, but one of the meals was cheese and potato soup, which I hate cheese and I hate potatoes. But my mom said, if you feed it to you, you have to eat it because you don't know what's in them. So I started scarfing it down without tasting it. And I started not feeling good. And then that night at the hotel, I threw it all up. So that was a challenge. Um, but other than that, everything was pretty fun, but it definitely took some getting used to to get used to the food. So, and now you can go. <laughs> okay, so my name's Isabel. And this is my second time going to Ecuador. So the verse that I want to read is Mark 10:45, And this says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So um, one of the days we were there, we went to an orphanage. And last year when we went to the orphanage, we got to play with the kids, teach them a Bible story, do song and dance, like stuff like that. But this year, me and like five or six other people we um, got volunteered to carry sand from one end of the orphanage to the other because um, they had some holes they needed to be filled at the front of the orphanage. And so it was really rainy there, so the sand was really wet, which made it super heavy. And also, I'm not very strong, so the sand was super heavy anyways. And because of the rain, there was mud everywhere. And so you couldn't walk anywhere with just like your foot sinking into a mud puddle. So. I don't know how long we had to carry the sand, but it felt like forever. And it was just back and forth, back and forth. But they needed someone to fill the, their holes and they like the little kids can't do stuff like that. So they just had a job and we had to do that. So it wasn't fun, but it definitely, um, it taught me that sometimes you just have to like do jobs that 
no one else is willing to do or no one else can do, even if it's jobs, even if it's a job that you think you're not able to do, like, like I said, I'm not very strong, so why did I get volunteered to do that? I don't know. But sometimes you just have to do jobs like that. And so this kind of struck me that like I need to be willing to do jobs whether it's at home or at school or wherever I am, like if no one else is willing to do it, be a servant because Jesus was the son of God. And when he came, he didn't come to be served, but to serve and lay his life down for us. And so I want to challenge you guys to use serving as a witnessing opportunity, because especially if it's a job that no one else is willing to do, if they see, oh, that person is like continuously willing to do all these jobs that no one else wants to do, like that's gonna cause people to think, why does that person do that? So serving is always a witnessing opportunity. So yeah. <laughs> I was obviously the oldest among this group. I was the elder in the group. And God did some neat things preparing me for this. Um, a couple of days before we got ready to go to Ecuador, I went back through my journal that I kept from last year in Ecuador. And the two weeks prior to going to Ecuador last year, um, in Bible study I was doing, I kept coming across scriptures in Deuteronomy. And we, of course, were studying Deuteronomy here. And so preparing to go again to Ecuador God was using what was happening here and scripture that he had taught me before to get me ready. And one of the things that I shared last year um, when we came back from Ecuador was a challenge that Pastor Freddie gave to me when we left uh, Ecuador. He told me that it was time for the church to go deep, that I needed to come back and focus on discipleship in my church. And little did I know that it was going to be um, a year of pretty intense discipleship um, of people that actually some things were pretty difficult um, last year. I had the opportunity to have some um, times where I got to do discipleship in a coffee shop regularly throughout the semester with college students. Um, I had opportunities with um, other people in the church and with Jason to get to disciple families and to get to disciple other women. But the reality was it was a hard year emotionally and just spiritually draining. And as I was looking through my journal and preparing to go back, I was like, whew, I'm excited to go to Ecuador. <laughs> Maybe I can just go there and it'll be, it'll just be good and it won't be all of this hard stuff. So I got to Ecuador and I had had a conversation with Brian prior to going about, was there anything I could do to help support Pastor Freddie's wife um, in her ministry as serving alongside of her husband? And I got there, and they had plans every single day for me to spend discipling women in really hard situations. And I was like, oh, God. That's not what I was thinking. But God prepared me, obviously, the year ahead for some really, really um, hard situations. People, women dealing with some really hard things. Um, women dealing with issues in their marriages, women um, dealing with how to figure out how to deal with their children, um, women in the workplace, all things that I deal with, all things that I had spent a year looking specifically at scripture about how to deal with those things. And as Brian has said and the others have said, we did, I didn't have to rely on, well, this is what I think, or maybe you could this, or 
we just opened up the scripture. And because they believed in the authority of scripture, we could say, okay, you're having a challenge with your husband. Let's look and see what God says we need to do about that. And just watching faces um, realize that, okay, I need to do this, and it's going to be hard. And, okay, I'm willing to do that. Or uh, we talked to a couple people that we showed them Scripture, and I think they believed the authority of what we were showing in Scripture, but they weren't ready to do anything about it yet. So just the... um, just the ability to be able to use scripture like has already been said. And my verse from Deuteronomy um, is actually one that Matt read last week. Um, It's part of Moses' song. Um, And specifically verse 7, I think Moses was getting the people ready. They needed to be listening to their elders and what the elders had to say. But God used this verse to also remind me that I need to be saying the things that I know are true. Um, I need to be um, speaking the words of faithfulness that I have seen um, God perform. Um, I need to be proclaiming his name and his love. And I was able to do that on the trip. Um, My picture is a picture, because I was older, I often didn't get right in the middle of everything. I was like the mom that was still there making sure all the backpacks were picked up and all this stuff. So they were always running along in front of me, and I was trying to catch up. This is a picture one morning of the team after we had breakfast, um, and they told us it was time to go. The team, everybody got right up, um, started down the hill um, to the mountain, to the bus, and this is just a picture of just a bunch of eager people um, that were ready to, to go and to share and to be representatives of our church, but also to represent the church um, in Pelileo. And I, I, this picture gives me a lot of hope, and um, I think everybody on our team, but also what other people have said here this morning, um, we have a, a renewed sense of the power of God's word. Um, we saw that God's word is living and it's active. There's power in God's word, and we walk away um, from that believing that, and these guys all believe that. But also, we believe in the power of the local church. You sent us as FX Church here in Bloomington, and we went and we worked in the local church in Pelileo um, for Pastor Freddie, and constantly in our conversations, we were pointing to scripture, and we were pointing people back to the local church to continue with discipleship. And so I want to thank you for sending us, but also impacting us and reminding us about the power of scripture and about um, the importance of being a part and serving um, in our communities through the local church. So similar to uh, Brian and what my mom's been saying, the verse that stuck out to me was 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And uh, we really got to see, like they've said, the word of God in action because you just tell people things and they believe it because it was what the Bible said was true. So um, every day we got assigned to appointments and we went to people's houses or met them wherever they work and we just had conversations with them about a variety of things. Some people we had to just share the gospel with them because they'd never heard it. Other people were new believers and we were like encouraging them to get baptized or to get involved in church. Sometimes we were told to talk to them about a certain thing, and then we got there, and they had a whole bunch of questions and different things that they were going through. So we had to be flexible with that, but it was really encouraging to see that um, 
whenever we were talking to them, we weren't, um, we weren't the authority. We were showing them what was in the Bible and we were encouraging them with what God said and they believed it and it gave them such hope. And I have a picture of a man whose house I went to. Um, uh, we met this guy in the park. Me and a translator uh, said a quick little prayer um, before we entered the park that God would just show us someone to talk to. And we met this man, and I asked him, can I show you some things that are in the Bible? And he got so happy, and he's like, yes, can you come to my house and share with my whole family? So later that evening, we got to go to his house, and he was so excited to hear what God had to say. Um, he told us that he had been in jail for a long time, and he felt like us coming and sharing this was like his second chance in life. And it was so cool um, to see him read what was on the page, and his face would just light up, and he accepted Christ, and it was just um, really encouraging for me to see. Um, something that I struggled with um, this uh, trip was um, having confidence, because I a lot of times feel like I'm unqualified to share the gospel with people. But again, just relying on um, the word of God as the authority and not yourself um, was good. And so I encourage all of you, um, whenever people ask you questions or you're wondering what to do in life, see what the Bible has to say about it, because um, it's what God gave to us so that um, we can know what to do in our lives. All right, so I'm going to kind of wrap it up with, with my stuff. But um, the verse that I wanted to share with you guys, the passage, it's the same one as Coda's, but I added in a couple extra verses at the end. But it's Romans 10, 9 through 15. And it says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. Now the scripture says, everyone who believes in, on him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek since the same Lord of all is rich to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then turning over to 14 and 15, but how can they call on him they have not believed in? How can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who announce the gospel of good things. Um, and so I'm going to echo a lot of the things that people have said already, like the importance of God's word. That is the biggest takeaway that I think we can echo just enormously. It is God's word. We need to learn this. Um, and so the picture that I want to show, um, this was a meeting that um, Sydney and I went to with a family. Um, the husband's name is Gustavo, and the picture was Sydney and it, his wife Lydia and their son, and um, Lydia's mother was there as well. And the, one of the things that we come in contact with in a lot in Ecuador, like Brian hit on, is they, they know about Jesus. They, they kind of know about him. They, a lot of them will think that they are saved, and you ask them why, and it's like, well, because I know, I know about Jesus. And the difference that we kind of have to explain a lot is the difference between knowing about Jesus in your head and truly knowing him personally in your heart. Um, just because I know a lot about Steph Curry does not mean that me and Steph Curry are friends and he knows me and I have a personal relationship with him. Um, so it's kind of explaining that. And so that was kind of the, the talk that we had with Gustavo and Lydia, um, especially with Lydia. She came from a very heavily Catholic um, upbringing, and so she knew a little bit of scripture, and she would say she knew a lot about Jesus, but whenever we would ask her um, why she thought she would go into heaven, she'd just say because, um, because Jesus is here for us, or things like that, and like Jesus is good and he's kind, um, which is true, but you have to know him and accept his gift. So that was really cool. Um, people have those discussions. And, and the favorite part about coming to Ecuador every time is we get to use God's word. It's never our own thoughts. It's never our own opinions. We're pretty much told if you can't show them in the Bible where it is, don't say it. 
um, which I think is awesome because it challenges us that we have to rely on God's word, our own knowledge of God's word, um, so that we're not ever saying anything that's not true about God or about his word. And so um, having to open up God's word, show them, and like Joanna talked about, we talked about this on the drive home, but just it stuck with me is just the power of God's word. We kind of take it for granted in America sometimes. Like I feel like in my heart I would say, yeah, I believe in the power of God's word. But in Ecuador, we actually got to see it like physically as they're reading God's word, as it like they fully start to understand it and their, their gears start going in their mind. You can see their face just kind of light up as they truly understand um, God's gift of salvation for them and the opportunity that they have to accept it. It was really, really cool to see. So my personal challenge, again, is similar to everyone else, is just to, to know God's word, to use it, to rely on it, um, and to just live by it and, and really imprint it on my heart and in my life. And that's my challenge to all of you guys. We have God's word at our disposal, at our fingertips. Learn it. It is God's word to us. Um, how can you know more about God without knowing his word and, and what he's told us? So I encourage you guys to do that. And then lastly, again, thank you guys so much for supporting us, for praying for us, and all those things. Um, truly, th those do not cannot be thanked enough. So thank you guys. I just want to share with you one last verse as we go. Um, as a reminder, it can seem like sometimes you see these people, wow, they went to Africa, they went to East Asia, they, they did all these, these huge things. And local missions is, is what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, for Christ's love compels us. It compels us. Since we've reached this conclusion, if one died for all, then all have to die. We all have to die to ourselves. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on then, we do not know anyone in a purely human way, even if we have known Christ in a purely human way. Yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. And look, new things have come. Everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry. We have the ministry as we go out this week, the ministry to reconcile people to be back with their Savior and with his Father. That is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not wanting to count, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to you and I. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We don't have to go to Africa. We don't have to go to East Asia. We just have to go to the workplace. We have to go to the grocery line. We are ambassadors for Christ. Certain that God is appealing through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled, be right with God. He made the one who didn't know sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let me just encourage you, that's local missions. It's allowing yourself to be Christ's ambassador where you're at, knowing God's word in a way that can speak to other people as they're struggling and can speak a word to them. There's some great opportunities coming up for local missions. Uh, there's a church planter named Martin. He's a Hispanic church planter who may be coming. We may be sponsoring him to plant a Hispanic church out of the Banneker uh, starting on some Friday or Saturday nights. You can be in pray, prayer for that. It's amazing to me that we send people to Ecuador to speak Spanish and Martine came and visited a couple of weeks ago, and um, we went out walking. We just walked down. I wanted to show him where parking is if people come for their Bible study. And as we walked, sure enough, we turned the corner, and there's a Hispanic family, and Martine begins sharing the gospel with this family. And they tell him, oh, yeah, there's a huge Hispanic community right back here. 
behind the woods, behind this park. He goes, that's why we chose to live there. And Martine's like, are you kidding me? They're like, no. And so Martine may be coming, be in prayer for that. We don't know what God has, but uh, he's a pastor of a church in Seymour, and he's got to get that church turned over to someone else so he can come here. But he may be coming with his family on the weekends just to do ministry, to, to be in Christ's ambassador in Bloomington, if he can be. So be praying for him. Uh, and then also just the other local and state missions that we have, uh, that we sponsor and a part of. Uh, be in prayer for our partners. You can see those online. If you go to our webpage, you can see those partners you can be in prayer for. But man, that's, that's what we want to be about. So we're going to end worshiping, declaring God's greatness, declaring that we're ambassadors for him. And if you don't know him, if something has sparked you to realize this morning that, that maybe you don't know Christ, that maybe you believe God's word is true, you, you would say you, be, you like Jesus, you think he's a nice guy, but you haven't really surrendered your life, I would encourage you to do that. You can talk to me, you can talk to someone who invited you, and they can lead you to know who he is in a full and personal way.